All right, good morning. Does Rick not look like The Rock? Huh? We got, we got to come up with some skit that, uh, that incorporates that. He, he's just too cool. That's, uh, that's really good. Hey, good to, good to have you here this morning. We're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel today uh, and going to spend uh, some, several places uh, throughout that book and then a few other places. But if you would like a Bible, there's some ushers offering those uh, to you, even as I speak. Um, as they're doing that, a couple of things that were not on the video that they didn't get quite in time, but uh, one of those is we are, we are going to be uh, ramping up something new, and that is a Biblical Foundations classes available to you. We've just kind of sensed that we want to give you opportunities to take a deeper dive into the Scripture, and, uh, and so we're going to offer some classes beginning October, I believe it's October the 14th. It'll be during the 9 o'clock service. And so if you come to that, then maybe come to the later service. That's, that's one of the options. The two classes we're going to start with are uh, Genesis, how the gospel is revealed in the book of Genesis. And then another class is going to be on the spiritual disciplines, okay? So you can find out more online about those. You can even sign up there if you're interested. Um, but we're going to kind of try this out. And maybe uh, if there's response, we'll, we'll expand the options or the opportunities for digging deeper into the scriptures that way, okay? Uh, also, next week, we're going to launch a new series called The ABCs of Financial Freedom. Uh, never done anything quite like this and spending several weeks uh, just kind of digging deeper. And in fact, we've got a workbook that we made available last week, and I think we still have some left out in the lobby if you weren't here and didn't get, get yours. We've made one of these available to each family, and if you want to follow along with us and, and maybe just do some of the, the, the things during the week in support of the message, our life groups are going to be aligned uh, to, to these messages as well. Um, I think we also have the book, the regular book that goes along with this. That's available, I think it was for $5. And if you want to pick those up, you can do so after the service as long as they last. And uh, just pray for that. Uh, we're looking forward to taking this journey together um, as we walk down that. So those two things I wanted you to be aware of. Today, um, we, this, I call these tweener messages somewhat. Uh, we're, we're not, we, we finished our series last week and we're going to start, start kind of a new one next week. But uh, today, today's kind of a combination of some things that the Lord has been laying in my heart, speaking to me about, and it's interesting how it kind of sets us up uh, for something we're going to be doing next week that I'll let you know about. But the general message today, as you can see from your notes, is God, how he pours his blessings into our life in order for us to be a blessing to other. The theme is basically giving back to the Lord, giving back to the Lord. And we're going to have two tangible expressions of that that we can put into a kind of application. The first is this weekend, after today's message. You might notice that we're, uh, we're kind of starting at this, this a little bit earlier. We're reserving some time of worship near the end of our service, and we've got the baptismal uh, available. If you've never followed the Lord in baptism, uh, we want to make that invitation to you today. And we, we almost every weekend we have some, one of our services, somebody's following God in that through their testimony of that. But every once in a while, we like to have just an open invitation. If God is stirring in your heart and he's nudging you in that direction, uh, we want to give you that opportunity uh, at the end of the service. And so that's coming up, giving your life, giving your life back to the Lord and expressing that through your outward testimony of baptism, Okay. The second uh, expression of what I think we're talking about is going to happen next week. Each year here at North Shore, and if you've been around any length of time, any you know, number of years, uh, you kind of remember at this time of the year, 
the first weekend of October, what we've done over the past several years is set aside a weekend that we, we receive what we call our first and our best offering. And hopefully, hopefully most of you and, or all of you do this on any given weekend when you come to the time of giving to the Lord. But this is a time each year that we challenge the church to see and examine what would a, what would a tithe look like? A tithe simply means a tenth. Scripture says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. See if I won't pour out a blessing beyond what you could even uh, contain. And it's just a challenge that all of us together would target next weekend to see what that would look like, what God has entrusted with you in those, that week, and then come together and offer that to the Lord. It's pretty amazing each year when we watch to see how that, that works. And I know that it, it stirs uh, you know, many hearts that maybe have not ever practiced that. And so what we're talking about today uh, in that particular context, as far as our resources are concerned, certainly applies, but you're gonna see it's a pretty wider theme as we're going to be looking at three stories uh, today. Um, so uh, be praying about that with us, and I hope that even what God says to us through this word, through this message, uh, might prompt us to, to consider where we stand before the Lord and, and the honor that we have toward Him, the, the reverence that we have, and to put Him in His rightful place in every aspect of our spiritual life, whether it's baptism uh, and obeying Him and outwardly declaring that, or it's just putting all of our, our substance, all of our resource into his hands. So let's pray, and we're going to dive into the, the scriptures to mo this morning and just trust that God's going to speak to us through them, all right? Father, we humbly bow before you this morning, and we just confess our utter dependence upon you and your spirit to speak to us through your word. We place ourselves before um, that, and we open our hearts up uh, to hear what it is that you have for us. And God, as you do speak to us clearly, we pray that uh, we will be obedient, we'll be responsive, uh, whatever it is that, uh, that we feel that nudging of the Spirit, uh, that we will follow through with what you're saying. So we commit this time to you and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, why don't you turn to 1 Samuel uh, for the first of these stories. As I look at uh, this principle today, if, if you have your notes out, I just wanted to kind of lay a backdrop here. This idea of giving back to the Lord what he has given us. Friends, it goes back just almost as far as the beginning, uh, particularly at least as far as Abraham. And if you hear about the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, essentially sums it up this way. He tells Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. And I'm going to make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Do you catch that? He blesses you in order for you to be a blessing. It's like you're a conduit of God's, God's blessing in your life. And this is, this is Abraham. This is what he's going to build his people basically on the faith that Abraham expresses. If you fast forward to the New Testament... There's numerous areas of Jesus' teaching and, and even Paul's teaching, but I think it's captured in some of the principles. One of them I put there uh, from uh, the book of Galatians where he says, don't be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. It's, that's a basic common sense principle, isn't it? If you put it in, you, whatever you put in, that's what you're going to get back out. And a little later in Corinthians, he says, if you don't put in very much, guess what? You're not going to get back very much. If you put in, if you sow it a lot, then, then you're going to find 
that that's, then it's going to come out uh, and you're going to reap uh, according to what you, you've sown. And so the truth is, when God puts in, there is something that's going to come back as a result of what he puts in. And the question is, is whether we see God's hand of blessing in our life to be able to pass that on or be able to, to, you know, to carry out that blessing even to others or even back to God as we're going to, to see today. And so that's kind, of, that's kind of the context of which this came from. And today what I want to do is I want to walk you through three stories, three different accounts that are going to essentially illustrate this, this truth. I want you to look for the common threads. I'll help you out a little bit, okay? And, um, and uh, two of these are, are back in the Old Testament. One's going to be up in the New Testament. And I have to tell you that, uh, like I said, this message kind of came together from different points. Several weeks ago, my daughter Abby uh, was at our, with us, uh, with, with our grandkids and stuff, and we were just having a conversation, and she mentioned this first story, and I don't know that I'd ever quite thought about it in light of the theme that we're talking about today. And it's a story of Hannah and her son Samuel. And so if you do have your Bibles open to chapter 1, let me just share a little bit about this with you and, uh, and see if you can't see this unfold uh, as, as we're talking about. The backdrop is um, Hannah is the wife of Elkna. Uh, this happened uh, right around uh, maybe 1070 B.C., okay, so it goes, goes quite a ways back. They lived in a, a little town called Ramah. It was about six, seven miles northwest of Jerusalem, so they were close to Jerusalem, and, and so they were in close proximity uh, to the worship of God. Actually, the priests were in Shiloh at this point where, where they're going to um, kind of interact with Eli. But here was the situation. Um, Elkanah, her husband, had two wives, okay? And as you tell from this story, if you read a little bit more, not a good idea, okay? Not a good idea. Never has been. Uh, his, his one wife... Panina was able to bear children, and it says she had sons and daughters. But Hannah had no children. And it's interesting because the scripture records that when Elkanah would make his sacrifice, and uh, you know, that there was some, some manner at which he gave a double portion to Hannah because he loved her. All right? You would hope he would love both of these gals, but. Uh, but he obviously, he loved Hannah a lot, but, but God had closed her womb. She was not able to have children. And this distressed her greatly. And not only that, not only did this constitute a lot of pain in her life, but, but that Penina was provoking her, uh, kind of like a na-na-na-na-na, you know? Like, you, can't, you don't have what I have. And this created a conflict and there was an occasion of which she was just, just crying out to the Lord, and you could just see the sadness on her countenance. I just found it interesting that her husband, Elkanah, he says to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart so sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And I just think, that was not good advice, okay? <laughs> that wasn't the right thing to say, I don't think, at that moment. He kind of setting himself up. And so she goes before the Lord. And so if you're tracking with me on your notes, the first thing I want you to see is Hannah makes a request before God. Guys, would you agree that's the place we go when we're in times of pain and hurt and, and this deep distress? You go to the Lord, and that's what she does. So she cries out, 
And it says in verse 10, when she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord, she wept bitterly. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son. Okay, that's first of all, that's her request. Now notice, on the heels of that request, Lord, would you give me a child? The other thing we note here is that she makes a vow that goes along with that. She says, if you'll give me a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Now, something we need to understand about uh, uh, the priests at this time, okay? Because when you say, I'll give him to the Lord, the, the, the idea would be kind of like a priest. A Levite priest basically was obligated for 50 years. Don't know if you knew that or not, but they were obligated for 50 years to the priesthood. And after that, I, I don't know what, but, but I knew that there was a limit of time. What she's describing here is what's called the Nazarite vow, because she's talking about not cutting his hair. You remember the story of Samson and uh, his hair and the whole drama that unfolded? Okay, same thing, Nazarite vow, and it too had a time limit, kind of had, had boundaries on, on how long that obligation would be. But do you notice that Hannah, when she's offering up her son, potentially, she's praying this, she's giving this or making this vow before it's ever a reality, She's not putting any limits on it. She's saying, I'm, I'm basically giving him to you for his life. And, and that's, that's what unfolds. And that's exactly what happens. Um, as, as she does this, I don't know if you guys can sense this, but that's quite a vow to offer your son. If you give me a son, I will give him back to you. If you were with us last week, I read a story, a testimony of one of our families here at North Shore that took in a four-day-old uh, little boy. Do you remember that? And uh, just a few days ago, uh, they gave him back to a, a new family after having him for six months. This couple's in their 50s, and they selflessly you know, took this, this foster child in and now returned it back. And I, I, when I knew that, I just knew their heart was breaking because how could you not get attached, right? Well, think if this is your, your son that God has given you, and you give him back, and you think, oh, wow, what a price to pay. But friends, is that not what God did for us through Jesus? He gave us his only begotten son. That's, that's, that's our heritage, and we see as that unfolds. Well, God answers her prayer, and he fulfills. Hannah, Hannah now receives the son, and she now comes to the point of that she fulfills her vow. And the scripture records that when, um, when he was weaned, that she took him to the priest and she talks to Eli and she says, you remember me? I'm the one who was weeping over here. I'm the one that you saw. You thought I was drunk, <laughs> but I was crying out to God and God has answered my prayer. And so now let's look down, uh, kind of fast forward to verse 24, if you will. And it says, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull and an ephah flower and the skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. 
Uh, Then she slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I'm the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. This is an interesting word. Pastor Scott and I were talking about that this week as we were preparing for this. Uh, I dug a little deeper in the Hebrew word there, and it goes back and forth between giving to the Lord and kind of lending to the Lord. And you're thinking, when you lend something, you kind of expect something back, right? Uh, if, if, If somebody lends you money, they usually expect to get it back, and a lot of times with interest, right? Uh, the word could kind of go back and forth. In fact, if you have the NIV version, it says that he, she gave him to the Lord for the rest of his life. But I didn't want to just plow through this and, and miss this idea of I lent him to the Lord. She was giving back to the Lord something that he, in fact, had given to her. And, and there's this, almost this idea that there's this expectation. God, I'm giving him to you with an expectation that there's like interest. There's something that's going to come about from this. There's something greater than any of us understand that's going to come about because I'm giving this back to you. I have been blessed so that, that, that this blessing can go on. And as I thought about that, a couple of things just, uh, just really popped out as I was looking at this. Notice the very next verse. It says, and he worshiped the Lord there. Notice it's not Eli that's recorded that goes into a, an act of worship by the faithfulness of Hannah. It's Samuel, little Samuel. And, and, he, and it's saying he's a, he's a child. He's just been weaned. So how old would that be? Two, three years old, something like that? And yet he's already worshiping the Lord in this temple environment. In fact, if you go down, go to the next chapter, look at verse 11 in chapter 2. It says, Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, the priest. Here was my question. Where did he learn how to do that at two or three or four years old, it may be? Where did he learn that? He had to learn it from his mom. If you read her prayer in chapter 2, listen, listen to the, the words, that just the, the prayer that flows off of her lips. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn, which means power, is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. She's saying, God, you you are the one who is great. You are the one who is awesome. You are the one uh, who is worthy of worship. He must have seen this modeled in her life so that now he goes to the temple and he's worshiping the Lord. This is a challenge. If If you still have the stewardship of children that are in your home, friends, that's what you want to model for your kids, don't you? Is a heart and a life of worship. Maybe your kids are grown and gone. Maybe you're blessed to have grandchildren. They are watching you. Their eyes are on you. And they will know, especially through times of trial, they're going to know where your foundation is. They're going to know who your trust is in because you're going to testify of that. And I'm telling you what, it makes a deep, deep impression on your life. She dedicated him to the Lord before he was ever born, before he was ever given to him. 
Some weeks we, here at North Shore, we dedicate our children. I know for Annette and myself, I've been thinking about this, that all four of our children, we probably dedicated to them before they were several weeks old. It was one of the early things that we did in the churches we've been involved in, and we just said, Lord, they're yours. We acknowledge that. We commit as parents that we're going to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We do the same here uh, many weeks. And we did our best to, to try to model that. I know on Monday nights, a lot of times that was the night we set aside and we would shut everything else down and we'd say, okay, we're going into our family devotion time. And we'd go to a different part of the house, a different room, and we would uh, sing a few songs. Uh, and I remember my kids, they would do whatever they could do, shake a tambourine or a maraca or, you know, and then as they grew older, maybe play on the piano. I remember my daughter Allie taking a fake microphone and pretending she was Sandy Patty and singing How Majestic Is Your Name. And, and, and we, we watched this, and they just, they grew up that way. And, you know, you just never know what God, God is going to do over that time. But we dedicated them to that purpose. And just like Hannah, like Hannah gave Samuel into the hands of the Lord, when you give back to the Lord the blessing he has given, it comes back with interest. Things that you could never dream or imagine. And I just have to testify of some interest that I experienced just in the past few days. Can I share that with you? Last Sunday, uh, for this 9 o'clock service, uh, before we got here, we knew that our kids were involved in a unified service back in their church um, back, back in the Midwest. And they've been having some real challenges. Uh, their pastor calls them worship wars because they have two divided services. They have an early service that's a traditional service, the choir, the organ, you know, the, the just regular tradition. The second service is a contemporary service. It's more upbeat, and, you know, newer songs, worship time. And, and they're just a divided congregation. And it is really creating some distress in their heart. And they're trying to bring this together. And so all these things kind of came together. And so last Sunday, they, they had a unified service. Um, <laughs> They, they happened to tap into to, um, a great leader within Christian music, gospel music. His name is Bill Gaither, Bill and Gloria Gaither. And some of you know that name. Some of you say, who? I don't know, know who that is. Just for context, they're probably the ones God used to pioneer the way from, from the traditional, when they introduced choruses into the life of the church 40-some years ago. And it, they, they, they had... They had a rough road. There were a lot of people that resisted what they offered back then, and now that seems so far there. But as I was watching this, and I was just thinking, we raised our kids up to worship the Lord and to love the Lord and to respect all traditions. And, and I just, when I, before I left, we were watching this on Facebook Live, their service, before I came to this, because they're three hours ahead. And I took this picture, because I think, this was just a moment as my daughter, um, Anna, was up worshiping the Lord. And uh, so that's my daughter with a guitar, and next to her is Bill Gaither. And they're leading together and worshiping the Lord together. And, and Anna texted me on the way home after church last week, and she said, Dad, when we did our last song, uh, Bill reached over and he whispered in my ear. He said, your daddy would be proud of you. 
And I, and I texted her back and I said, your daddy is very proud of you. Uh, her sister is just a little bit to the right playing the keyboards. Uh, my other kids are serving the Lord. My son Stuart, as you know, he serves here and I'm very proud of them. And I'm just telling you guys, whether we're talking about sons and daughters or whether we're talking about your time or we're talking about your resources, when God blesses you and he gives you something, if you give it back to him, there is going to be something immeasurable that's going to happen. And when Hannah gave little Samuel to the Lord, what did God do with that young man's life? As he grew older, it was Samuel who God used as his instrument to identify the next king, King David. Do you remember? It was Samuel who, who was instrumental in, in bringing that out and anointing him, and it was David, of course, who the lineage that we track to, to our Lord Jesus. And I just think, you, you look at the legacy of what you take, that little that you take. It's kind of like the little boy that had the two fish and the, and the bread, and he put it in Jesus' hands. When you put it in the Lord's hands, it's just am amazing what can happen as a result of that. It's what it looks like. Second story that I want to share with you. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open to Samuel, go over to the second book of Samuel, around verse tw uh, chapter 23. This is, a, this is an account that I don't know that we've ever talked about before, but it's, it's kind of powerful, I think, in that David, again, I'd like to give you a little bit of background or context uh, to it. This is David and the water from Bethlehem, okay? Uh, geographically speaking, uh, Jerusalem, kind of in the center of Israel, Bethlehem's about six or seven miles south and it's still up on that plateau, the, the high ground there. Well, just out of Bethlehem, you're going to go down the hill like toward the Mediterranean. And, and there are a lot of ravines and things like this. Well, there's a lot of caves in that area. David has been anointed king. Okay, He is the future king, but it hasn't happened yet. He's still on the run. Saul's trying to get him. His life is miserable. <laughs> because he's constantly on the run. He's got a few faithful guys that are around him. He called him his mighty men. You remember that? And in this chapter, he's describing some of the acts of his mighty men. And in these descriptions, here's an occasion that David and these guys are in a cave at Adullam. That's just down from, uh, from Bethlehem. Now, now, Bethlehem is David's hometown, right? Uh, maybe his family still lives there. I don't know. But but the Philistines, who are his arch enemy, have surrounded Bethlehem. There's a garrison around there. And David makes this request, kind of like Hannah. David makes a request. And here is David's request. He says, he says, oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. And then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and they drew the water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. And they carried it and they brought it to David, but he would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord. And as, uh, as you, you look at that, you're thinking, wow, how did those guys that really risked their life to go get that water for David how did they feel when he took the water they just gave him and, and poured it out? I, 
I just think, man, their mightiness came more from not strangling David at that moment, right? Their courage to not say, what do you think you're doing? We just, you know what we went through? But listen to David's explanation. As, as David has poured this out um, before God, we're looking at, um, at verse, uh, verse 16. He says that, uh, that he said he would not drink of it. He poured it out before the Lord, and he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Should I drink the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. And those things these mighty men did. Okay? Now, two things that I notice about this is that as he pours this out, he says, I'm just so taken back by the commitment that these guys made that they risked their lives to go get this for me. How could I satisfy myself with the water that they have just brought to me. He was so moved by, by that commitment that he says, I, I, can't, I can't satisfy myself with this water. And there's a reverence, you know, and a willingness to, to, to even sacrifice that which he wanted, but he pours it out because of the, the love that he had for these men and, and the devotion, the commitment, and the commitment they had for him. But friend, there's one notch higher. He poured this out to who? to the Lord. And David had a heart that said, not only to these men, but, but to God I am doing this. To God I'm pouring this out. It's called a drink offering before the Lord. And so when I think and I evaluate my offerings to, to God and what I give back to the Lord, when he has blessed me to the degree that he's blessed me, and when I am called to, to, to bring that back, here's the question I want to ask you this morning. What is your water of Bethlehem? Has God blessed you or given you something, or can you even think of a time when you knew that God had blessed you to the degree that this, it was just wrong for me to satisfy myself for this. This was something I needed to just offer back to him. And if it's truly to God, because see, if you think about the two realms there, one was to his men, okay? These are his friends. These are the guys that relationally he's, he's engaged with. It'd be like your family. It'd be like your, maybe your spouse or your children and to, to sacrifice for them because you love them so much, right? There, there's not a person in this room that probably wouldn't do just about anything for your kids, right? Okay, that's one realm. But I want to ask you, does the Lord, does the Lord God take another step above that? Are you motivated even more to, to, to offer it to the Lord? Some of us find it very easy to do it to the tangible ones that are right here, but sometimes when we think about our relationship to God, we have to really evaluate. If you doubt God, if you doubt his existence, I can almost promise you there are very little, if ever, offerings that are made to him that are sacrificial. You know folks, and, and you know that basically their life is spent on themselves. They, they don't offer it to the Lord. If, you, if, you go, if you're struggling with that walk with God, that relationship with God, and you wonder and you're worried about, you know, does he really hear me? Does he really care about me? You're going to find that your offerings are going to be so-so. I would put those in the realm of what I call tokens. They're token. You do, you do it maybe out of obligation, but there's not this deep reverence and awe. 
But if you know God is great, and he has poured into your life, and you know he loves you, and you know what he's forgiven you of, you're going to find that, that the offering, as you pour it out before him, it is to, it is to him. And, and I would, like David, I, would, I wouldn't even think about satisfying myself with that. There's an interesting little thing here because when he poured it out on the ground and these guys watched that, they probably thought to themselves, like common sense, what a waste. Look at all that we went to to get this. What a waste to just, just pour that out on the ground. Now it's gone. And yet there was something very pure and very beautiful about that, wasn't there? Okay? Tuck that away t- today and ask, ask yourself, have I ever had the water of Bethlehem, something that I knew it was just wrong to satisfy myself with? Now let's look at the third story. And that's in the New Testament, okay? And in each one of these, I hope you're connecting the dots, you see God has poured in, God has given something very precious, very special, and, and yet they've given it back to him. This story takes place in the final days of Jesus' earthly life. Okay? It's in a little village called Bethany. It's just over the hill from Jerusalem, uh, over the Mount of Olives. You may recognize the name because that's where Mary and Martha and Lazarus uh, lived. That's probably where Jesus and the disciples would stay whenever they went to Jerusalem. Okay? They, didn't, they didn't have an apartment in Jerusalem or anything. They, they relied on their friends, and these were the, his friends. On an earlier occasion, we read that... Um, that Martha was getting things ready and she was all upset and anxious about this and her sister Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet. You remember that? Just kind of soaking it in and Martha got all upset and said, why don't you tell her to come and help me in the kitchen? And Jesus said, I won't take that away from her. What she's doing is a, a, a beautiful thing, okay? Well, now it's, it's just, uh, just a short time before Jesus is gonna go to the cross. He stopped off there and apparently there was somebody who had a party, and, and they invited Jesus to it. His name was Simon the leper. I suspect there weren't too many people at that party, <laughs> uh, if you think about it. I don't know how a guy gets that name other than, than maybe, he, maybe he was one of the guys Jesus healed. I don't know. But Simon the leper hosts a party, and the way parties went back, back then, there would be an invite that would go out early, and so you knew you could kind of put it on your calendar, but then there was a second invite to say, okay, everything's ready to go, okay? And don't know how this one worked. All we know is Jesus was, uh, was invited to his house. And as he went to Bethany, we're looking at Matthew chapter 26, verse 6. He goes to the house of Simon the leper, and a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Mark chapter 14, if you want to just mark that uh, reference, it records that this person that did this was Mary. The way parties worked back then, if if there were a number of people, they typically would not be indoors. They would be outside. It was not uncommon. It'd be awkward, but it was not uncommon for a group of people to be kind of on the fringe that are watching this party go on. They didn't have a lot of entertainment back then. They didn't have the, the TV and things like that to keep them occupied. And their entertainment was to sit in the wings and listen to the conversations that were being taken place at this party in the neighborhood. 
That's kind of what it looked like. So it was not that unusual to have somebody break in and, and to do something impulsive, extemporaneously, like Mary did. But I'll tell you what, it was amazing. And, and if you're with me so far this morning, here is somebody who takes a, an alabaster jar, a flask, he said. It's got very expensive perfume. Again, Mark's gospel records that she broke the jar. What does that tell you? It means that she didn't expect to replenish it. She didn't expect to get it back. Much like David, when he poured it out on the ground, it was gone. She was expending it all. She was surrendering everything, okay? And she poured it on Jesus' head. What a sight. And the first thing that the guys around him and his disciples that were there, you know what they said? What a waste. What a waste. We We could have sold that. And yet what she did, Jesus says, was a beautiful thing. And he said, he said, you know, she will be honored because of this. And if you think about what it was she was doing, she had had this jar of perfume, expensive perfume, tucked away. Who knows how long? <laughs> I was sharing last night. I don't know why. I just started thinking about this. Have you ever had something that is just really precious and you kind of put it on the shelf. It was intended, it's made to be used sometimes, somehow, but you put it on the shelf and it's just, it's just so special that you're thinking, okay, what occasion would it take for me to take it off the shelf and use it? I had something like that when I was growing up. Back when I was a kid in high school, I think, we went down Southern California and we went across the border to Tijuana. And in California, no fireworks, okay? I mean, it is like, like really bad. That's kind of what you raised, to, you know. And I smuggled some fireworks, some firecrackers, and this big M100, you know, firecracker. And more than a firecracker, it's like a half a stick of dynamite. <laughs> and I got these, and I smuggled them across, and I had them in this box all through my high school. I even took them with me away to college. I had this, that was my little precious box. And I, I just thought, when are you ever going to, I won't tell you about the, the occasion that I did use it, all right? <laughs> the whole point of my illustration is, have you ever had something that you just thought, okay, what would make so special that I'll take it off the shelf and I'll use This to Mary was the impulsive expression of her love for Jesus. And she takes that jar and it's expensive and she breaks it. And yet here are these guys over in the wings saying, wow, what a waste. What a waste. And I just, I stopped and I thought about that. I thought, here at North Shore, you know, when we talk about our life together and we talk about God working in us and how God blesses us and he pours his life into us. And when it comes to times that we offer him back, and again, whether it's your children or whether it's your possessions or whether it's just your, your resources that you've been trusted with, your money, your finances, your time, Whatever it is that he has blessed and given to you, when we come to the time when, when we want to pour that back out, I suspect that there's more than just a few. Even next week when we talk about giving the first and the best part of what we have to the Lord, and if you've never done this, if this has never been part of your, um, your spiritual discipline to do that, to proportionately set aside a time or amount each week to give to the Lord, if you've never done that, when you first try to break through that, 
I promise you there's going to be a voice that says, wow, what a waste. You're going to look at the numbers and you're going to do the math and you're going to think, wow, what I could do or what we could do. You could satisfy yourself with this amount. And some of you have been doing this long enough that that, that isn't even a factor anymore, is it? It's not even an issue. But, but for those that are taking those first steps, I'm telling you that is a huge, huge hurdle because you're going you're to calculate wow, we, you, know, you could do this or you could do that, just like the disciples did. But the heart of Mary was she gave back to the Lord. How she got this expensive perfume, I don't know, but it was a blessing from God, but she gave it back. And here's the truth. You talk about interest. You talk about something going beyond the moment. What did Jesus say? He said, she has done a beautiful thing. And wherever the gospel is preached from now on, what she has just done will be told. And friends, right now in this room, 2,000 years later, we're talking about what that woman did at a little village at a party just because Jesus said so. This is the word of God. It is timeless. It is eternal. It is the truth. And, there, and there's proof right there, right before your eyes, that her, her gift given back to the Lord was exponentially greater than she could have ever imagined. She didn't do it for that reason. There's no way. She was just selfless in the moment, and she said, I'm, gonna, I'm just giving back to the Lord. And I, I, I just get excited to think that we get the opportunity to be a part of that truth, that we are blessed so that we in turn can be a blessing. I, I hope that captures your heart this morning. In a moment, our worship team is going to be coming up. And, and, um, and you know, when you, when you top, stop and you think about baptism and about, about acknowledging the Lord of what he's done in your life, friends, it is the most basic, it is the first thing that we do in our obedience to the Lord. It is, it is the basic truth that God has come into my life and I am willing to figuratively share this with the world through this testimony. And I, I don't know if this weekend's the weekend for you or not, but if you've never been baptized and you would identify yourself as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, what a great time to do that. And that's why I wanted to make this invite this weekend is uh, if you're prompted, if something is stirring, and you, you know, you can, you can go through the battle and all the things and the what ifs and why nots, and, uh, but sometimes you just have to take that first step. And so I'm going to tell you that Pastor Paul and Kathy are going to be over here. I'm going to probably be standing over here. We're going to sing a, a couple of songs, a couple of worship songs. And if God prompted you, maybe you were here last week and you've been thinking about this and prepared for this. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to get up and, and just join us over here. We, uh, we have dressing rooms behind the doors over there. We've got those robes of righteousness, <laughs> those nice little blue things. You know, you don't have to worry about uh, your clothes, uh, you know, getting unduly wet. So if God is prompting you, that's all I want to do. I'm just, I'm just an instrument in the Lord's hand to invite you. Do you want to take that step to say, Lord Jesus, you come into my life. I believe in you. I've trusted you as my Lord and Savior. And I want to follow you. I want to, I want to begin to obey you in all the things that you, you reveal to me. And I understand that one of the first things is, is that I need to come out. I need to declare this openly. 
And so I'm going to do that because I love you, Lord. I want to pour out my whole life to you, my life, with the understanding, like we've been affirmed today, that whatever you give to him, he is going to give back so, so much more. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Let me pray. And if you, even now, if you're, if you're inclined, just make your way over to the door. Pastor Paul will guide you through that, and we'll celebrate that together, okay? Lord, thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction that it leads us. Thank you for the illustrations of how you worked in these servants. Three different stories, but, but the, the common thread, Lord, is, is, is that you are, you are good beyond our imagination. And you have blessed us beyond anything we could have ever, ever expected. God, may we understand those moments when you call us to, to just in turn give that back. To just be, be that, that conduit of which your blessing flows and we can pass that blessing on to others. And may that show up in, in all of these areas, whether it's our family, whether it's our work, whether it's our relationships, whether it's in, in our provisions, whatever it is, Lord, that we might honor you with the very best that we have. Lord, I just pray for those that uh, may be taking the first steps in their, their walk with you. And there might be somebody in the room in this service that never has taken that first step. That describes where you're at and you, you're wondering what that looks like. It's just, it, it actually is pretty simple. Jesus said, just call upon my name and you'll be saved. Peter said, if you repent and you're baptized, that you'll be forgiven, the remission of your sins, be cleansed away. And Lord, there's somebody right now in their heart of hearts that desires that. And if that's you, just say, Lord Jesus, today I come to you, ask you for forgiveness of my sins. Inviting you to come into my life, my heart, Begin to live there for the rest of my life. I want to serve you, Lord, with my life for all of my days. I'm trusting you today for my salvation. Thank you for hearing my prayer because I pray it in Jesus' name. And Lord, would you just bring assurance to those who have and who are taking that step of faith. I know it's just your work. It's nothing we do. It's just the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that you'll have your way in this room, even now as we worship you. We trust you with all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Let's sing together, and if you'd like to meet us over here, you just do that this morning, okay?